0: You know, we go to inbound every year and I talk to other agency owners and I'm in all kinds of agency owner groups and chat rooms. And I actually just had a one on one call with one of the largest inbound agencies um, last week talking about some trend structural things that we're doing here, getting some advice. And I just, every time I have these conversations, I realize we just do things differently. Um, And the things that work for them work because they have such a routine based business. Everything is sort of cut and dry. And like you said, their contracts are very deliverables based outcome based. We're going to deliver this many blog posts and this many, this, and this many, that, and they have a cost uh, tied to each of one of those and they know what it's going to take. And, and I find that droll and, and boring.
1: Ground Up, Episode 9. It might have been her refreshingly honest take, or maybe the unapologetic nature in which she shared it, but right away, I could tell there was something different about Andy Graham. Graham founded and is currently CMO and managing partner at Big C, a digital agency based in St. Petersburg, Florida. And while many of Big C's clients may use HubSpot, the agency doesn't necessarily prescribe to the cure-all mentality that often surrounds the inbound marketing methodology. So how is Big C's approach different? I sat down with Graham to hash that all out. What followed was an honest, refreshing, and downright inspiring take on how agencies should evolve in a climate where everyone is either doing inbound marketing or has already tried it with varying degrees of success. Do you guys have a, uh, like a nailed-down buyer persona? Like, What industries are you guys typically playing in? Like what's your niche?
0: So we do not have a niche and I know that sounds crazy um, and that everybody who's successful has a niche, yada, yada, but we actually don't like um, doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so we find that we're most successful for our clients when we can bring in all kinds of different tactics and approaches that we've tried in other industries and other, um, it, it, for other other clients in other industries. So even though we have multiple clients in so many industries, so we'll have a few We have a number of clients in the family entertainment center industry or education, uh, a lot of B2B, um, a lot. uh, We like to keep it mixed in a way that we can figure out how we can cross sort of cross use tactics across different industries and different verticals um, without getting too locked in. So um, I don't know if that's the best for, again, for our agency, but it keeps our entire team really engaged and interested and creative um, always. So.
1: That seems um, to be a, really a, a theme of you guys is kind of uh, going against the grain in terms of like repeatable and and uh, <laughs> you you have like a you know value points based pricing instead of deliverables right not wanting to package together yep. the same things every single time. Yeah, And we'll get into that in a sec, but then the inbound methodology and and kind of trying to supplement that and not follow that, like uh, just, you know, uh, blindly every single time, but you take it case by case. So that seems to be a common theme with big C is this um, resistance is the wrong word, but you don't necessarily (laughs) want to be repeatable, right? Is that kind of like a, is that kind of like a negative connotation? No, I don't.
0: I don't think repeatable is the word. I think it's more of a, we want it to be repeatable, but we want to understand how we can apply the things that work across multiple industries and not sort of pigeonhole our way into only this works for only this approach or only this approach for only this industry, fill in the blank. Um So, for instance, um, you know, the addition of direct mail to an inbound campaign can be incredibly effective, especially when you understand your personas and our personas. Inbound is fully digital. And a lot of the personas who support the B2C clients that we support are not fully digital. And so looking at different socioeconomic factors, age, income, even just lifestyle, there are things that make a postcard mailing um, a thousand times more effective than an email. So while we can send, you know, 50 emails for the price of that one postcard when we're looking at a 3% return on a postcard and looking at, uh, you know, 1% or less return on an email, Um, you know, there's value there as well, not to mention we kind of set up multi-prong approaches where we use a lot of direct, um, direct mail, advertising, um, sponsorships, things like that. So we're setting up the same, we're all looking at the same numbers, right? So it's all just the same funnel. There's awareness and there's these big numbers out the vanity metrics. We like to call them, right? The, um, how many visits are you getting to your website? How many people know about you? How many fans and followers do you have on Facebook? those things are also how many people saw ads in the things we placed, how many people, you know, what are the impressions on your Facebook ads and your LinkedIn ads and your Bing ads and pay-per-click those things are also how many postcards were sent or, or things like that. So, um, so we still build that same, the same, the funnel in the same way. And we still have offers in the middle of the funnel. Um, and then we still have the obviously the closing and the revenue generation down at the bottom. But, um, but we kind of try to keep, these things are not tied to just this specific inbound methodology, a la HubSpot. Um, it's not just you know blog posts leads to a email sign up leads to a fill in the blank. To me, a Facebook pixel is more is is a higher quality lead than an email address. Um, we know more about the user from their Facebook pixel than we do from a simple email address. So, granted, you can turn one into the other, but um, you know to me it's just as valuable to have a pixel on somebody's um, platform than it is to to have their email
1: address. Right. And you guys are open to more of that outbound methodology that kind of, you know, uh, Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. gets a bad rap in the inbound community, but obviously in the right situations is still very effective. And in many cases is more effective.
0: Uh, I agree. And, and the inbound stuff we do helps bolster the outbound, right? So they might have received a postcard, but then they go to the website and start learning about us and see that we're writing about all these topics and we're experts in this area and we do these types of things. Or, you know, for family entertainment centers, it's um, more of a culture building um, type of, you know, here's the things that are important to us, those things that are, um, you know, you're not really sharing information and expertise when it comes to B- B2C. Uh, but, but it's the same approach. It's just used used in a different
1: way so to go back to for a sec uh how you don't have necessarily a niche that you guys play in because you want to be Mm -hmm. more open and be able to apply different lessons from different areas how does that uh how does that i guess inform your the the approach to new business because obviously when you have a niche it's easy to say here's proof we've worked with 15 other people just like you um, and here's, here's the, here's the playbook and here's how we've done it in the past. So do, does that affect the approach to new businesses at all when you, when you kind of have, you know, so many different areas that maybe you are, you know, sort of involved in? <laughs>
0: That's a great question. We haven't had a problem with new business, though I suspect we could be growing faster if we put some sort of concerted effort into honing, this is how we do these things. When we sell marketing packages to clients, we really sell it as an open-ended, we don't know what the hell we're doing, and we won't know that until we're you know, we're six weeks, eight weeks into your engagement, but here are the variety of things that might include. And we are going to change that up on a monthly, quarterly basis completely. So we actually change it up on a bi-monthly basis. We do sprint planning at the beginning and the middle of every month, and we'll literally change course completely from what we had planned if it's not getting the results that we want. So um, so I tell clients, you wouldn't want us locked into an, a quarterly strategy if it's not Proving fruitful, um, you want us to have this flexibility and let us show you all the case studies of the clients we've been working with. We have clients who've been with I'm not I'm sure many people will tell you this, but we have clients who've been with with me as a since I was a freelancer working just by myself, um, and then I built the agency in 2005 and started hiring people in 2008 and. Um, We have clients who have been with us since then that we we can't turn away. So they've grown with us and grown with the agency and and been supporting us. They would tell you that, um, you know, that's part of what they appreciate about us is that we're constantly pushing and striving and growing and improving and we'll never, you know, there's no moss on this rolling stone. We're constantly trying to kind of up our game and level up.
1: So you must have with the approach that you guys have, which is more dynamic, you must have. Uh, a, a different pricing model than the uh, more of the the standard, or or at least was standard in the past. Here's a list of you know tactics and deliverables: x amount of blog posts, uh, x amount of hours on social media, that kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm guessing Big C's pricing model looks much different than that.
0: It is very different than that, yeah. So we use value points, which a lot of agencies are moving towards, but our value points are different for every client, and so we keep sort of what's a key. Um, and those value points translate to both the time invested, the level of expertise required. So is this something I have to be involved with, or is this something one of our you know, 22-year-old marketing coordinators can pull off? Um, so how many hands have to touch it? Do we have to get a designer and a developer and a UX specialist involved? Um, How many sort of stages of conception does this have to go through? So everything, while we have a little bit of a key that's like we've got blog posts for this particular client, some of them are two value points, some of them are four, some long-form interviews, research-based posts are maybe six or eight. Um, There's other clients where the blog posts have very low value, and so they're one point. Um, you know there's a lot of clients who we blog for that it's really just sort of an seo game it's not about inbound per se let's talk about like chains of dentistry or things like that where there's no one literally no one reading these blog posts and and you know sure they're slightly useful or whatever it is but it's mostly so we can keep on top of the invisalign game and make sure we're ranking you know this chain of dentists office for those things um but so those, the blog posts to them are not as useful, but there are other things that are more useful, like the interactive tool we built so you can sort of picture what the, your teeth will look like when they're straight or so, you know, that, that sort of thing. Those things are, have much higher value, and those leads that come in just like in any inbound funnel are, are, more, are you know, closer to the bottom of the funnel and so um, are obviously worth more. So, yeah, we, so we base everybody, every client, if they've got a $10,000 retainer for some clients, that's, you know, 80 value points or 90 value points or whatever that is. And then we sort of divvy those things out to the different tactical executions and planning and strategy and research that we want to do each, each sprint. So our goal is to hit the goals. And so we say, we're going to, these are the goals we can hit based on your budget. If you want to do more than that, we need more money. Um, but, um, then we build back the tactics up from there based on how many value points we've got assigned.
1: It seems like a more, uh, an easier way to protect against scope creep that way, right? Because
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think all retainer work is pretty easy to protect against scope creep, to scope creep even if you're basing it just solely on hours. Um, people kind of know I only get 20. This is 20, fill in the blank. The problem is our staff is very mature. Um, We have just about everybody on our staff has been with us five years or longer and they're mostly in their late 30s, early 40s. And so it's hard to say that, you know, what we're going to do is going to take two hours because what we're going to do that takes two hours would have taken us 10 hours five years ago or 10 years ago. And so it's going to take us two hours plus, you know, the eight years of experience that we have doing this or the 12 years of experience. So we've got a strangely older and more mature team um, than most I think, um, and those are the people who are executing most of the most of the projects as well.
1: What is the process for strategizing like a, a roadmap look like? because uh, obviously in, in this sort of again dynamic uh, structure, it's going to be mm-hmm. very customized to the the space that the client's in, what's working, how they're currently performing. You had mentioned to me earlier that you have a client, that is already ranking number one for, for yeah. everything yes. in their area. Every, so, yep. so so obviously you're not going to you know blogging is not going to play a, a huge role. You're might you're going to do more maybe in yep. in paid ads and stuff like that. So what does that um, process look like up front for strategizing? All right, how how are we going to get results for this client?
0: So that's a great question because this that client in particular has been with us for seven years, and so finding new ways to sell the same thing is is challenging. Uh, so. Luckily, the technology changes so frequently that the platforms we're using changes as well. So the uh, introduction of Facebook ads and how they've added different video formats and in you know the streaming video and the um, things like that have been able have allowed us to change what we're doing with regards to to building out that funnel but um, but yeah, it's basically the same thing. So we're trying different offers and promotions is one thing. We are trying we're doing some. Uh, we do actually do Wi-Fi data collection, so when people use their Wi-Fi, we can get, we can show ads within the screen where they sign up, and they're forced to go either like the Facebook page or sign up to their email list. So we can do um, gather things that way. We've got um, we're just always looking at new technology and new programmatic ads and new the sort of we're using those HubSpot integrated postcards. Um, I think Enthusum is one. What's the one we're, we're actually using, though. I can't remember the name of it. But, um, but we're just trying anything and everything that's new or different um, or exciting. And so, uh, so the strategizing for that looks like this. We are a team-based organization, and so our teams that are dedicated to each client have a strategist, a content person, uh, account manager. There's a designer and a developer, two developers actually on each team, um, and then a marketing coordinator and then an SEO person. Um, and so that whole team sits down with a, quarterly with the client and says, "How did you know? Here's the numbers. What are we looking at for next quarter? What are you seeing working and not? You know, when people are coming into the center, or when you know, fill in the blank. Uh, what do you think's happening here?" And we we put together ideas, and then we, of course, along the way, we've got a running document of ideas, of things we've been brainstorming, things that we think would be really cool. Sometimes it's as simple as your online booking process is sloppy and problematic and people are abandoning. And let's look at it from an e-commerce perspective. Why aren't they following through with this process? Let's make this form shorter. Let's change these things. So conversion rate optimization, but even on the scale of, you know, the party booking software that they use. And so we'll get them to change platforms or um, lead them down a different technology route. That happens a lot. But um, for the most part, it's, it's just a matter of having the people in the room that have their brains on the different You know areas of expertise so we've got a designer who can come in and say well look at these emails could be a little bit more exciting Let's spend a little more time sprucing them up. I've seen all these cool animated gifs happening Let's make more of that go on or you know getting to know the persona more We've been doing a lot of survey research lately and so understanding that you know The moms are getting younger who are the moms who are booking parties are getting younger than they used to be And so we need we need to look at a different design style or approach or language Uh, Where are they at? What are the things that are important to them this year? You know, let's talk about some of the cool hot toys that are in their minds, whatever that is. So um, so it's really about having all those sort of minds around the table at one time where a developer can say, you know, let's create an experience that looks like this. And here's how we execute it. And here's how many points that would take. Um, So they're all kind of negotiating their bits of problem solving into um, planning this, you know, this bucket of, of points or hours or whatever we call those.
1: And that value-based approach kind of allows for that flexibility, right? That excitement to, you know, try things with the forms or try things maybe with dynamic uh, uh, tools like like a like a web app or, or or different tools that you had mentioned before with with one of your clients involving uh, Invisalign and. Uh, having that freedom uh, away from that menu of deliverables, it, uh, it allows oh, you gosh. guys to have that yes. sort of excitement. Do, do you find that that, uh, <clears throat> what kind of effect, and this is a silly question, because you know, it's a positive one. But what kind of effect does that have on the team on the individual contributors and the account managers that are, that are doing this day to day? Like what kind of that, that level of freedom? What kind of effect does that have on the team?
0: Um, I think at first when we started moving that direction, it was stressful and they were considering whether or not they'd be able to perform, you know, and be as creative and think about these things on the fly. How can they do that? Um, I think now it's fun and it's exciting and it's creative. And so we always talk about the one thing about agile and being an agile agency that we love is that nobody's punished for having a great idea at the wrong time. So in web development, when you're working in a waterfall based environment, you know, you can be three quarters of the way into a project and somebody's like, wait, wouldn't this be an awesome way to display this information or whatever it is. Um, And when you're so far down the road, it's really hard to change those things if you're stuck on a stuck budget with a stuck scope and a stuck, you know, timeline. Well, when we're working in an agile environment, in a marketing environment, we're doing growth driven design and we're doing you know, agile marketing, we can say, oh my gosh, that's a great thing. What's the value of that over all these other things we've got planned? It seems like it's going to have way more impact. Let's try that and abandon these other things this month um, because we see that that's going to have an immediate impact and let's do that. So, um, So it keeps everybody excited to contribute in a way that I think is useful. Um, and they're excited to have time to do that. It gives them headspace to think about things that way when they know they're only required to do these you know 50% of their time is dedicated to the stuff we know works We're not abandoning SEO we're not abandoning blogging we're not abandoning email marketing but we only dedicated about 50% of our budgets to those and the other 50% is let's have the freedom to play and try new things and experiment because that's where that's where marketing magic happens Everybody's got enough dang email in their inbox everybody's got enough you know Facebook ads in their feed so we've got to try something new and different um, even if it's just cool, cool campaigns in the same formats that's fine too. Uh, but we've got to have the headspace to be able to do those things.
1: We chatted earlier, and you had mentioned this, you'd referred to this. Um, I think frustration was the word you used with this sort of formulaic approach to yes. to inbound marketing. And, and, you know, over the years, I mean, HubSpot was founded in 2006. A, a lot has changed since then. But that methodology really stuck with a lot of people. And what you got was a lot of companies, a lot of marketers, a lot of agencies, you know, doing similar things and, 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 uh, executing on similar tactics with their clients, which makes it hard to differentiate, right. And hard, hard to add mm-hmm. value when there's so many other people doing it was that. So A, can you talk about that? Um, I guess level of frustration and then B, is that what kind of led to that evolution from, um, uh, or, or led to that evolution to more creativity, uh, more dynamic, Uh, more value-based. Yeah. So, so talk about those two things.
0: Sure. I, I don't know that we ever fit into the HubSpot perfect partner bucket. Um, We've always been a little bit bucking what they're asking us to do. And I've never really fallen into the, let me take all your sales training courses and sell it like this and and follow you along your little path. Um, And so for that part of things hubspot has really left us alone as a partner and i just bring them leads and say here's a client we're closing them tomorrow and and they send us a payment link so that is our only relationship with hubspot right now Um, they love us because of that they don't we don't require any hand-holding i'm sure they would rather we fit into their bucket but the way i always think about hubspot is it is a wonderful franchise opportunity if you want to buy into being a franchisee then you can follow their game plan and they will lead you to success there is no doubt about that I am not that person and this agency is not that agency and my humans are not those humans. And so, uh, we've had to find our own way to use, we we like to consider, we always tell people that we are, um, HubSpot gold, but platform agnostic. And so if HubSpot is not the right platform for you, then that's not what we're going to recommend, even though we love it above all other marketing platforms for the most part. Um, so, but we're not tied to it. We're tied to results and to getting our clients, making our clients successful and if you know they could better be better spending that $3,000 enterprise level um, money on something else then that's what we do and so um, I know HubSpot's going to hate me for this but we're actually moving all of our family entertainment center clients off HubSpot because of the per contact pricing. Um, They there's not a lot of value in the sales side of things for family entertainment centers. You're trying to get people to come into your center to go bowling or do play in your arcade or to go to your escape rooms or to do laser tag. And you don't need a lot of nurturing to ha- get people to make that decision. So we need a really highly uh, you know, sophisticated email platform which exists in MailChimp or Campaign Monitor or Emma or all those things have kind of kept up with that automation and nurturing and workflows. Uh, and then we need really good Facebook ads and we need really great creative. So, um, it's, you know, landing pages, we can build those in WordPress and that's about all we really need. So, um, unfortunately HubSpot is not great for that client. Now for other clients, they're fantastic, especially we can, when we can integrate the sales piece, um, into the platform and we get the teams using those for our B2B clients, it's awesome. But, um, we have to be looking, our, our, our goal is to be good stewards of our clients, investments and if we aren't successful for them and hubspot's not successful for them or any platform we're using isn't successful then we have to be willing to abandon it and try something else at any any given moment so um so yeah so i mean you know we go to inbound every year and i talk to other agency owners and i'm in all kinds of agency owner groups and chat rooms and i actually just had a one-on-one call with one of the largest inbound agencies um like last week talking about some trend structural things that we're doing here getting some advice and I just every time I have these conversations, I realize we just do things differently. Um, and the things that work for them work because they have such a routine-based business. Everything is sort of cut and dry. And like you said, their contracts are very deliverables-based, outcome-based. We're going to deliver this many blog posts and this many this and this many that, and they have a cost uh, tied to each of one of those, and they know what it's going to take. Um, and and I find that droll and and boring, and I don't know that those. Unfortunately, we we do we get some of their cast off clients who were unhappy because they're getting the sort of slow burn success but not where they know they could be and it's not the type of marketing they want to be known for and part of that is brand positioning. Do your does your brand want to be known for being reliable and safe and always doing the same thing or do we want to try something new and get noticed and and have people sort of stand up and say, "Well, that's kind of cool." Um so that's what we we try to do. I don't know that we're always successful in doing that. Um, we're we're always successful for our clients. I don't think we always have budgets to do really cool stuff, but, um, but that's our goal. And we have great, you know, clients obviously have to trust us to be able to say, yeah, good, go for it. But you you said something that
1: that I thought was brilliant before that I think is, is a result of, of this, um, You know, uh, 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 insistence to be different and to be you know more dynamic for your clients, which was finding new ways to sell solutions to the same client over and over again can be challenging, right? When you're following, and I keep coming back to this, but when you're following like a menu of deliverables, so the approach that you guys have, which is more value based, which is more experimental, right? I think you mentioned to me before. I don't know if it's this high, but did you say like fifty percent of the time, depending on the client, is spent kind of trying new things, right? And it's fifty percent. Yep, wow. it's fifty
0: percent. Mean, is 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 the basics. Thirty percent is sometimes premium content. Even though the premium content is not just a you know PDF download landing page thing. It's something bigger and that might take multiple months to build out some sort of experience. Um, and then we and then it's exper- experimental. You know, so that there's fifty percent solid going to happen, and then fifty percent is let's try it with that second 50%, you know, split between long, long long-term projects, bigger projects, and then smaller, let's like small experiments. So
1: do you think that's made up, upsells and and renewals easier for
0: you guys? Um, We have never had, (laughs) we've never had to um, renew all our clients are on an ongoing contract. And so it's just automatically renewed. So we've never really had to negotiate that. Most of our clients like, if they are on so government, municipal clients, and higher ed, they need to have a contract in place for their, you know, AP to send us checks every month. We'll be two or three months into the next contract before they'll go, oh shoot, our contract's expired. Can you just send us a new one? We'll sign off on it, whatever that is. <laughs> um, so it's That's a great problem. To um, have. <laughs> yeah, I've never had to like negotiate. Here's our success. So we don't even do, and I hate to say this because I think we should and. I, but we just haven't, we've never done like an annual report for a client. We've never done um, like a, Hey, here's your, you know, all the great things we've done for you over the past year. It's just this constant, very close partnership where we're talking to them every week anyways, and every month and they're seeing the numbers. And so um, it's not, there's no big surprises of, you know, here's where we've been. So, um, but yeah, I think upsells definitely are easy because we're coming in with really clever and interesting ideas so when i come to a client and say hey let's try this mailing and we want to do this and then we're going to link it to this and build this and then we say you know that that can work except we have to we can't do these other 10 things for you this month what do you think um then they'll usually say well you still want to do those 10 things so why don't you just tell us what this would cost okay cool so um yeah it's not we don't really have a hard time with that all of our clients engagements you know start at a and end at you know, somewhere in the M or N range, which we, which we enjoy. So.
1: Right. And something else you had mentioned to me earlier that was exciting was, um, it sounds like the, the approach, uh, in the past has been, you sort of lead with, here are the things we're going to do and here's what we want to accomplish, uh, in terms of, uh, out, out, you know, sort of outlining the the tactics and, and execution part of it, and then the goals that are you know you guys are going to be shooting for. But you also mentioned you're kind of trying to flip that on its head going into Q1 of 2018, where you're going to sort of lead with here's where we want to get to, and here are the tactics and you know experiments or projects that are going to support that. So why I guess why that evolution, like how, what changes in terms of tactics maybe from that shift in approach and putting like goals and direction kind of up front.
0: Sure. So a good, a great example of that happened in October, I believe of this month where we have a client who launched, um, we, we work on three different projects for them and they, uh, they have an online e-commerce business. They've got an in-person school and we just built them an online school. So we actually did all kinds of video production of online video-based classes and then built them a whole system to sell the classes. So our goal was to, um, we wanted to make them, the investment they made in setting up the online school and paying us for web dev and video time and all that stuff and marketing it, um, we wanted them to make that money back in three months. So we had August, September and October, so by the end of October, we needed to make another, I don't know if it was $4,000 or $6,000 or something like that to fi- fi- finish paying off their initial investment. And so this was actually one of the first months we had data box and this was really neat. So we put it up on a screen um, right in front of our entire marketing team and we watched orders come in. And instead of saying, um, here's our tactics that we're going to do for you this month, we told them we're going to get to this sales goal and we knew that every email we sent would sell more and more and more and so instead of saying we're going to send five emails for you and you know here's what we expect we said we're going to sell this many this much revenue for you And however many emails or social media messages or special offers that takes, we're going to do it. So we have this freedom to create buy one, get ones or um, 50 percent off or twenty dollars off or 50 percent. Whatever we want to do with offers, we could email them. We have, you know, we have access to their entire mailing list and HubSpot. We could retarget them on pay per click and Facebook. Um, And so we just worked until we hit the goal. Um, It actually didn't end up being that much more work than we would have fit and in fact i think we probably went over what we estimate internally this is client does not see this but internally we try to stay within an hour's cap you know time we work to make you know because obviously we have direct costs for the client that we need to stay in for their for internal budgeting and profitability so we try to stay within hours i think we're within one hour of what we had estimated for them but we ended up doing probably you know 10 times more work than we had planned just because we were trying to get to this goal now I don't want a client to say this is what's possible I could have had this every month but it's nice to say you know this is the goal we're going to hit and here's why now we knew we've been working with this client for six five six years so we kind of knew it was possible with their list and what their list looked like and how they reacted to the things we were doing so there wasn't any surprise in how much work we were going to have to put in but um, that, but that was a good one where we said, this is the goal and the tactics are only going to be as big as we need to support that. Um, and if they wanted a larger goal, they would have had to invest more because we would have had to put more time and energy and more tactical execution into it as well. So,
1: so this is an approach yeah. that you're, uh, obviously you've seen some initial success with that you want to roll out, uh, talk about that, how uh, going into 2018, you want to sort of make sure. this the approach across the board.
0: That is the approach we're taking across the board. So the team actually just came out of a long meeting today where we are doing a Q, you know, looking at, we always do quarterly kind of loose strategies that are based on the goals a client has for themselves. So we talked about, you know, what are your objectives for Q1 2018? Where do you want to be? You know, what's happening, yada, yada. Um, and so we just had a meeting talking about, about those goals. And so our entirely quarterly strategies will be based on, here's the goals we want to hit. You know, you're averaging 15,000 users a month. We want to hit 18. We want to average, you know, but, but there has to be a why behind that. So I hate saying that vanity, those vanity things without saying we want to hit 18 because we know your conversion rate is, you know, 14%. So because we want to grow your revenue by X amount, we can increase, you know, your, your visitors to this, which will in turn increase conversions to this and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but do yeah. you
1: find, do you find that, uh, we've, we talked to a bunch of agency owners and in, in some cases, clients don't really know, right? What, what the quote unquote goals are or should be. They'll just be like, we, we want to double everything or we, we just, we just know we need to grow or we know that our, our web traffic is way down or whatever it is. So they don't necessarily know what the goal should be. Do you find that, um, uh, the clients that you work with, Is there sort of, do they already have something in mind or do you guys, does Big C come in and help sort of facilitate what those goals should look like? And if so, if it's the latter, like how do you guys approach that? How do you set goals for clients that may not necessarily know what they are themselves?
0: So that's a great question. Our clients never know. We have one client who I think is an incredible he he always knows he knows what his revenue numbers need to be and he knows how those numbers come in And so he knows what is average per you know Got a head through the door is worth X amount of money, et cetera, et cetera, cetera. So that guy He's awesome to work with because we know which levers we need to pull but most of our clients like you said have no idea What goals they just know they need to make money um, And so it's it's up to us to break it down for them that you know a lead is worth this much and so we can do that by if we get their revenue numbers um if we're tied to their sales platform and they're putting revenue numbers in there we can get a pretty good idea of what's going on um but at the same point even if without tying to revenue numbers which we don't always have you know some one of our clients that does um large deals uh this you know a commercial lead coming in for them could be worth anywhere between twenty thousand and five hundred thousand dollars each of those is very valuable but we can't dictate you know it's hard for us to market to those people differently they're in the exact same industry doing the exact same thing they just are in different financial just have different financial needs based on you know a variety of factors but so anyways my point is no, we don't know. Our clients do not know what their goals are. Sometimes they have a high level revenue goal that they need to hit or whatever that is. So we just talk to them about what good leads look like and do as much lead scoring. The more history we have with clients, the easier it is. Um, the first year clients, you know, we, we actually launched a client last October, about a year and a half ago now, and went from getting, you know, eight leads to 16 leads. And I think we had 74 qualified leads for them last month. So wow. it's been, yeah, In these, that's the client I'm talking about who's each of those leads is worth between 20 and 500,000. So it's a, you know, it's, we've done very well for them. Uh, but, um, so now we know like, okay, 74 seemed like there's no way we would have set that as a goal. There's, we just, that seemed crazy. They were happy. They even told us when they hired us, if we get one client from the, your efforts, we're happy, you know, and that was over the course of (laughs) of a year. (laughs) So,
1: so is it, is it, Oversimplification to say that you start with the end in mind. So, like when they don't know the goals, like you mentioned, they might have a revenue target that they have, and so from that point, it's not easy. But you you have something to work with, right? Where you can go from okay. So if this is the revenue target they need now, here's the revenue that they're currently doing. Here's what they do online. So if we increase that by a certain percent, is that is that like a is that a good approach to yeah? With with, with most clients, I mean, obviously it's not going to work with everyone, especially if they don't even have what that revenue target would be yeah Uh,
0: Yeah.
1: but is it an oversimplification to say that starting with the end in mind is always a good approach
0: no that's always a great approach and then if you have the end if you know what the revenue is and you know how many of your leads convert to sales if we know what our conversion rates are then we can influence whatever side of that we need to um, and we can work on those independently as as goals as well so um, those are all important things
1: have you guys traditionally now that you're moving to this model obviously goal setting up front that is going to be super important historically have have you always had documented goals with clients or is will this new sort of i guess we'll call it like quote-unquote goal first approach um will this be a, a more i guess systematic way of having documented goals outlined for everybody all up front
0: um, no, we've always had goals. So we have spreadsheets just like the problem data box is solving for us. We have these spreadsheets that are goal tracking spreadsheets that get updated at the end of each week so we can kind of see where we're at with regards to the goals we're tracking. The problem is I don't I think we've done a very poor job of tying those goals to anything larger than the goal themselves. So we, our goals have been, oh, let's get 20,000 visitors, but there's no why behind it. And so we're starting with why. Um, now we do a good job with that when we talk to clients and when we plan tactics, but then we don't tie them to goals, which is a weird thing. And yet we set these goals sort of arbitrarily, at least, um, I don't know how to explain that more succinctly, but, um, like we 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 build our tactics around, okay, you you need to tell this story and here's the pain points we're trying to hit for your personas, et cetera, et cetera. But the goals we track are like, no, we need eighteen thousand visitors and you're like, What well, how does that tie to solving pain points for this particular persona? It doesn't, you know, so um, and how do we know that we're doing that? So the question is how do we what do we what do we deem success? How do we what do we call successful and then how do we measure that?